Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. Well, it's Monday morning again. It is Monday morning, and I appreciate you having coffee ready. Yeah, no problem. So how have you been? I've been good. I've been good. Um, the wife and I went on a little getaway um, this past weekend. Well, I guess our weekend, which is Friday, Saturday. So we have a little bit of a different weekend than most people because obviously Sunday is not. Um, but it was good. It was good to, to have a little time away. How about you? I might have been in the same area you guys were, That's but right. I was there for different reasons. Yeah, you had to work. Yeah, so I was in the Dells over the weekend for our big statewide conference for people who do grazing, farmers who do grazing. Yeah, you gave a you gave a keynote, right? Yeah, so it was a little different of a feel than normal because normally when I give presentations it's very like technical stuff like um, put this much seed down when you plant or whatever Uh, this time I gave and I did do some of that but I also uh, gave the keynote address which um, surprisingly stretched my comfort zone I mean I've given church sermons I've officiated weddings I've given presentations to large groups of farmers before but this was just a little different because it's like big picture type stuff and supposed to inspire supposed to get people thinking and so how do you do that to a group of farmers especially kind of a niche group of farmers who are focused on a different way of managing the land than most people and so um, I, I used some humor to kind of set the table and to connect with people. I really wanted to just connect with people, um, which is similar to the premise of this podcast. Yep. Um, but my big take home was empathy. Yeah. And I felt it on my heart for years to do that. So I'm about 10 years into my professional career now and I've, worked with all different um, components of the agricultural industry in Wisconsin. And I just see so many people who have in their mind, this is the right way to do things. Um, And they're just, it's like a lot of things that we see in life right now ends up somehow being divisive. It it starts out not that way, but it ends up that way. Yep. And so what I was really charging people to do is if you believe that this thing that you do is so great which I believe as well yeah then number one you should be willing to share it mm-hmm. and not just preach to the choir yep um, so kind of go outside of your context um, but number two the best way to share it really the only way the only effective way is to learn to understand people yeah And so people who are different than you um, understand that. And the only way you can begin to understand it is to listen, which is empathy. Yeah, that sounds like a good sermon. I might have to steal that. I mean, isn't it funny, though, how that's the case is like the principles that that come from the Bible tend to work everywhere. 
Yeah. So it sounds like that was a powerful message. I'm sure people took a lot I, away from it. I did walk out of there with this underlying feeling of, I just went in front of 490 people and preached a church sermon. That's awesome. And they probably didn't even know you did it. No, but there were some people there who I could tell they picked up on that. And there were a couple people. So I, I told you before when we were chatting before this that it's always weird doing that because especially Wisconsin is very like stoic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so you don't always get positive feedback. Mm -hmm. Even if people responded positively, they'll give you negative feedback if they responded negatively, but they won't offer positive feedback. I did get a handful of positive comments. Um, And not to go off on a long tangent about this, but that evening then, the evening speaker was Michael Perry, who is very well, he's a New York Times, I don't know if he's a New York Times bestselling author, I don't want to misquote, but he's got like a lot of books that he's written, um, published through a New York publishing agency, I guess. Um, And he's kind of an example of someone who went out West, um, pursued a, a career, Um, and then moved back to Wisconsin and he's living in an old farmhouse now. And he writes about kind of about like living in rural settings and in Wisconsin. And, um, he recently released a book like two weeks ago that is really focused on the mental health, basically epidemic in agriculture right now. Okay. It's focused on, it, the story is about someone losing their farm okay. in Wisconsin, which is happening all the time right, right now. Yeah. And the mental health that is associated with it. Anyway, long story short, I got into a conversation with him afterwards. He signed a book for me and and he asked me what the keynote was about and I said empathy and it, he was like, he thanked me for wow. talking about it and he's yeah. like, that is something that is not talked about enough. And he said that uh, to, so this book that he just wrote about the, the mental health issues um, hasn't been out very long. And for every positive feedback he's had, he's also had negative feedback from people who think he shouldn't be bringing it into light. Uh, yeah, well, and that is, you're right. I mean, and I, I don't know if that is a Wisconsin thing only, but it definitely is here. You know, we, we tend to, at least my understanding of the culture and obviously being born and raised, it was kind of like, if you didn't hear anything, then you're good, yeah. you know, which is tough. I mean, I think, I think you would rather have it be where, and even biblically, it's like, if you see something good, call it out, if right. you, you know, but we are a very stoic people. I think it's a lot of our cultural background. And so I think that's where even, um, you know, when we look at, at people not wanting to lead, I think that's part of it is it's hard to lead when you know what you're signing up for. You're probably going to get way more criticism than yeah. encouragement. Well, and I'm, it's interesting. I've met more people recently who consider themselves introverts mm-hmm. who end up in a leadership role. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if there's any like science behind that or like studies that have been done. I don't know if there's a correlation there, but you, what, what you end up with is people who like to keep to themselves, but because by the nature of what they end up doing, have to open themselves up. Yeah. 
And and that is what if I had to like put a bow on the conversation about what I did mm-hmm. this past weekend. It is a really interesting feeling that I don't even know how to describe or process. I've been processing it for a couple of days, yeah. going in front of a group and and opening yourself up and showing humility and sort of airing things out there that most people wouldn't be comfortable. So like for me, just the one example is I sometimes have to put out a disclaimer when I speak about certain things, namely my wife and my kids and this kind of part of agriculture that I think has greater implications than just making a living. It's like it has like societal uh, impacts. And so because of that, I get emotional when I talk about it. So I put this disclaimer out there that I cry easily sometimes. Well, no, and I think you're you're on to something because it's really interesting. I saw some joke thing online. I don't remember what it is, um, but it, it is this idea that like it was like, is there anyone else who's an introvert that just like stumbled their way into leadership and they're not really sure how they got here, but they're a little uncomfortable with it and they like came up with a name for it. I don't even remember, but it's kind of like I'm here to help, but I don't really want to be like kind of thing. Yeah. And I think I, there, there's probably a hundred different reasons, um, but I think one of the reasons is. At, at a very core level, leadership is lonely. That's just, that's a yeah. reality of life. And that's a, you even look at, at, at the biblical stories of leaders and you just, you see a, a deep loneliness. That's just kind of part of it. So I think, you know, as much as we tend to think of extroverts as best suited for leadership, it, I actually think introverts are better suited because I think you, you're, you're able to deal with the loneliness of it. And you're also like, I don't want to. I don't want to paint it as if you're in leadership, you have no friends, because that's not the case. But you have fewer, and I think introverts are better suited to find like real core friends and just yeah. have a handful of them. And that's really the only way if you're going to be in leadership. You, you're not going to have a bunch of good friends. You're going to have a handful of good ones. And I think introverts know how to do that because they've probably done that most of their life. Right. I don't know for sure. Maybe you do know. I don't know if C.S. Lewis was an introvert, but I've been reading a book of his recently, and the way that he speaks about certain, some of the language he uses makes me think that he was an introvert. I don't know for sure. I wouldn't be shocked. I've been reading a lot of his books too recently, and I get the same feel. Yeah. I, you know, And I think even if you look back at it, at like the the amazing leaders that we have had in in you know the history of the world a good chunk of them are introverts and that's where i think we're we're going through a cool societal thing right now and i know we should probably get to the actual mm-hmm. sermon but but i the, i kind of have in my mind how this is going to segue so. yeah okay good so you'll you'll transition us but it's it's like we we went through a you know, in like the 90s and the early 2000s, it was like introversion was like a disease to be cured. Like there's so many movies about like this person who started out as an introvert and then they got fixed and now they're this life of the party and that they live happily ever after. And I think we're finally getting out of that now, especially with just like you said, there, there's just mental health issues across the board. And I think we're realizing that like 
there's there's not just one way to be a human that's right there's there's different ways to live life that are suited for who you were made to be and introversion is not a disease to cure it's it's a right. personality that has strengths and weaknesses just like any other personality yeah well, I, I definitely think that not every person who listens to this, provided that people will listen to this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so not every person who listens is going to be an introvert or a leader. Right. Um, however, what, we, what, what we're going to talk about today and what you talked about yesterday is the battlefield that, we're all, that we all find ourselves in. Yep. And interestingly, I think... One of the reasons why leadership is hard... Well, first of all, I wanted to say that we can't have all leaders. Right. And so I think we don't want to imply that leaders are on a different plane than followers. Correct. Um, leadership, leaders have different responsibilities and, and different strengths, and we kind of touched on that, but... You have to have followers or things just aren't going to work. Absolutely. Um, one of the hard things about being in leadership is you struggle the same struggles that the followers struggle. Yeah. Everyone is in the same battlefield, whether you're a leader or a follower. And it's the same whether you're talking about warfare. You know, you want to, uh, for some reason, as you were talking about the battlefield, and maybe it's because you m- might have even referenced it, but um, I picture the Civil War, like a Civil War type setting. Um, the leaders and followers are both subject to the bullets that are flying around. Absolutely. And I agree with you completely. One of the, one of the issues, I think, in the church is that we have, we have made a d- discipleship, like what it means to be a disciple and we've, we've, we've connected that to leadership, that that's what it is. If you're discipled, if you become a disciple, that means you become a leader. And that's not true. There's, there's all sorts of, you know, even if you look at a football team, it's like, yeah, you got to have your leaders, but then you also have to have just your culture setters of like, maybe you're not the one that's making all the plays, but you're, you're the one helping set the culture and you understand what, what the coach is trying to do. And, and there's all sorts of different roles. And so I think it's first to just understand you can be a disciple and not a leader. Cause I don't even know if a leader is, is a, a personality. I think it's a calling and it might even be for a season of right. like, Hey, you're, you're called to lead right now. You are absolutely right. And, I, but maybe not later. I've, I have experienced that in my life. A couple things there. So to finish that thought that you just started, like there's been times where I've right now I'm in a position to lead. Yeah. A year ago when we just were struggling through a few things in life, I just felt like I wasn't in the position to lead like I am now. I didn't have the capacity that I have now. Yeah. And I now know that there'll probably be another day where I feel like I don't have it mm-hmm. and another day where I feel like I'm fully equipped. Yep. And so it ebbs and flows. The other thing is, is I think that we need to be careful and not make the mistake of thinking that struggles or trials mean that we're not qualified to lead. Absolutely. And that's where, that's one benefit of being a little further down the road in your faith journey because you just start to realize that like 
the battle never ends. Well, exactly. And that's the thing is, is there's, there's so much here we could, we could dive into. Cause I agree. It's like, that's just, that's life here on earth. You're going to be in a battle as long as you're alive. There is no like, okay, I finally have arrived and now there's no more bullets flying. It's like, if you're alive, there's, there's attacks coming. But I think it's like to, to view like leadership, it's number one, it's not a personality, like it's a call and it's also not an identity. I think that's where people really get tripped up, especially when they go through seasons where God is saying like, Hey, this isn't a season for you to lead. Maybe this is a season for you to, to heal or grow or, um, learn. There's a hundred different things, but what, what can happen is that being a leader becomes our identity. Like that's where we pull all our value from. That's what we pull our worth from. And so if we go through a season where God is saying, Hey, this is something else. It's like, we feel like we lost everything. Right. And, and so I think it's, it's to just view it as what it is. It's a, it's a call. I mean, I, I think of, cause I did mention the civil war and I, and I think of like, you know, people went from like, I'm a farmer to I'm a general. And like, the, it's like when this war is over, I'm going back to being a farmer. This is a, this is a call for a season. Yeah. And I don't want this to even become everything of who I am. There's a whole identity I have outside of this. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping into a call that I know I'm, I, I need to, but, but it's a calling for right now. And maybe it will be for the rest of my life or maybe it won't, but just understanding, um, that, that leadership is, is much less, um, all encompassing than we've made it. And we've also made it that if you are a Christian and you follow it, like faithfully leadership is the only possible place that you will land. That's just simply not true. Yeah. I, I think, um, I, again, another example I thought of when you were describing it is I recently listened to a book about the France invasion in World War II. And as the U.S. soldiers went inland, they were coming. It would have been like if the war was going on outside of the door right now. Right. It was like they literally came across people who were holding up in their homes. They didn't want to leave their farm. They had cattle out on the pasture yeah. and their dog was outside barking and the people were hiding in their basement. And they... and. What it made me think of is the battle is real. Mm-hmm. It's right around our home. But any time, whether it was the Civil War or World War II or any other example, wherever that battle was occurring, I'm sure it was devastating to those people. But the battle that we're talking about, the spiritual battle that's always going on, I think we eventually need to get to a point where we're not devastated every time we realize that it's going on. Every time there's a reminder that this battle is going on, we have to somehow get ourselves to a point where it doesn't just absolutely devastate us and cripple us. For and sure. That's definitely easier said than done. Well, but, and I think that that is, you got a great point, and that's what, to, to just 
if if this is maybe someone hasn't listened to any of our other ones, we we're talking about this because we've been going through the Lord's Prayer, and so we finished it with with um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, and and just talking about this idea that there are there's real spiritual warfare going on all the time, and I think that that's where you know Jesus in in teaching us how to pray, the the heart of it is that you do this daily. That's what give us today mm-hmm. our daily bread. It's the understanding we're going to do this every day. And I think part of why it's so devastating to us is that we don't allow it to just become our reality. Like the human mind is is unbelievable at at, at just uh, settling in to new reality when it when you let it. It's it's it always shocks me of how you can have a major change in your life and for a couple weeks it's like really hard, but your your brain just has this ability to get used to it to deal with it and to let that just become its new normal. But if you never live in the real reality of it, you're never allowing yourself to truly just become comfortable with where you are right now. So I'd even kind of mention it's like we live in right now living in America is like if you don't want to think about spiritual warfare, you really don't have to. Because, right. you know, we have so much comfort around us. There's so much distraction that if you don't want to think about it, you don't have to until it hits that fever pitch. And then it's like you're forced to deal with it. And then it's devastating. And, and I think that that's part of thinking it through every day is what allows your, your brain to get its head wrapped around it. Because I think even if you look at people who lived through the Civil War, Like it was always devastating, but you do eventually just, okay, well, this is life right now. And you're able to still find joy in it. Um, But if you live in that, like, I've got my fingers in my ears, I'm saying la la la, like then when you're forced to confront that reality, it just rocks your whole world every time. Yeah. Well, yesterday you talked about snares. Yeah. What I, so a snare is... I pictured, so I know, I've seen um, coyote snares before, or people, snares that are intended for catching coyotes, mm-hmm. um, and you basically just put it between two trees and hope that you catch them mm-hmm. taking the anticipated path, yep. trail. Um, so in our life, snares are basically things that, catch us yeah that trip us up yeah and eventually you know going off of what i just said earlier about like not being devastated when a trial occurs i think the other part of that is is we have to recognize what the snares are they're different for each one of us they may change through our life through our life um but to just know what those snares are and to be on the lookout for them. And that's where I think, again, going back to the daily prayer and just continuously going back to the Lord every day to be prepared and to also recognize those snares. And that's where even like for myself personally, like the couple things that I know can trip me up and cripple me um, when I come across one of those situations I go back to him right away 
And if I don't have a daily prayer habit, it's just not easy to go back to him. For sure. It's like you you just, you know, if if it's 10 o'clock in the morning and I end up having some, you know, confrontational type thing that I have to navigate my way through, but it was just a couple hours ago I was alone with the Lord, it's going to be much easier to go back to him and be like, hey, we were just talking about this this morning and here we are and I just really need your help right now. For sure. Well, and I think we talked about it when we talked about the forgiveness part is like, man, if you only have to deal with 24 hours of, of falling short, it's just way more manageable to just be able to confess that versus if you wait even a few days and you're like, oh my gosh, there's so, there's so much I have to deal with. And you're just like, it's like the dishes. If you do them every day, it's just not a big deal. Yeah. But it's when they stack up and the food gets dried on that you're just, it gets harder and harder to deal with it. And I think of like, so when I think of snares, I, I watched I watch the TV show Alone. Have you ever seen that show? Uh, no, but I know what you're talking about. So yeah. it's 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 interesting because there it's like they're they're literally trying to survive. If they don't catch food, they're like gonna get kicked off this show, and so they're desperate. And I I love that visual because I feel like the enemy is that like he's not playing around. It's not like oh if I catch something cool, it's like they are like this is their livelihood. And what they usually there, they're trying to catch like bunnies and stuff. And what, what always hit me is they'll, they'll try to look to see where's this bunny going to go. But then they'll also look at like alternative routes and they'll try to like just break off branches and like cover those routes because mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to guide the, the, the bunnies where they want to go. And it just makes me think that like so often when we're making decisions in life of where we're going, we, we tend to just think like we're, we're just making those decisions. But the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit is always guiding us the right way. But the enemy is also trying to manipulate situations to kind of get us going where he's laid traps for us. And to also live in that understanding of very little in life are you not feeling pulls in certain directions and to just understand and like you said really ask those questions of why do I feel like going this way what is it that's is is this a godly pull or is it the enemy that's just kind of manipulating circumstances because he knows if he can get me to go in this direction there's a nice trap laid for me Right. And like you said, it's knowing what traps you tend to fall into, knowing yeah. that and understanding you, you can start to see. And that's what I think, you know, that's where animals, you know, I've, I've seen shows where, where people have to boil their traps because they're like, if there's a scent yeah. of human on it, these animals and like to learn to get that scent of this smells like the enemy right now. I, I got to get out of here. Those are skills that we have to learn as Christians. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, I'll just call it, like, the Hollywood way of seeking God in turmoil is, like, to say, like, God, if you're there. Yeah. God, I don't know if you're there, but if you are, I need you right now. And that's kind of a, not kind of, it's a tragic way of approaching that. Yeah. Because through the Lord's Prayer, we know the answer it isn't an if thing right and but if we don't have daily prayer as part of our life 
then it really is kind of the Hollywood approach to, hey, God, I know I haven't talked to you in a long time, but I'm wondering if you can help me right now. Yeah. And it's just different. It, and that's where every morning uh, when I have my time alone, it's like I feel like I'm checking in, making sure that communication, the, the you know, we're <laughs> – it's like a mic check, like hey, yeah. just making sure this is still working, Absolutely. and and then like after that check in, it's like a continuous conversation throughout the day. Yeah, and it's not just when things go bad. Sometimes it's when things are going great, and and I'm overwhelmed by how great things are going, and I just feel compelled to thank him for it. But it's just easier to do that when that. Um, line of communication is just constant. Yes. Well, and I think of like, cause I think of this too, where like I'll, I'll give a situation and I'll be, I'll just be honest. I'm not always the best at like reaching out to people. Like, and my close friends know that like Eric's not always the best at like just thinking through, I haven't talked to this person in a while. Maybe I should reach out and see how they're doing. I, I, I need to get better at that. But I'll, I'll, I'll have this situation where one of my friends will, will text me like a, a video that's like funny. And when I get it, I'll be like, I don't really have like the five minutes right now to watch this. And so I'll forget about it. And then later, like even a couple days later, something will, I'll want to, you know, tell that person something or whatever, but I, I'll realize I never responded to their video. And so I won't even tell them the thing that I wanted to tell them. Cause it's like, I haven't kept up this yeah. conversation good enough. And, and I, I know that's a dumb example, but I feel like we do that with God a lot where it's like, if it's not a consistent thing we're keeping up, then it's even when we have those little things, we're less likely to really connect with him because we we know uh well but i know he's been talking to me about this for a while and i've never i haven't really addressed it so um i I probably can't bring this to him either and you start to feel behind and that's when you start to kind of just avoid and hide and i think that's daily prayer is just it's the antidote to that right it lets you feel like okay we're on track and um, and I think you also said a great point of just the good things and the bad things. Cause that's, if you think of like your best friend, if something bad happens, you want to talk to them about it. But if something good happens, you also want to talk to you them about it. can't wait to tell them. They're the ones that no matter what happens, they're the first person you think of, of like, I can't wait to talk to this person about He's it. He's not going to believe this. Yes. And I, I think that should be the heart of God is like not a responsibility, but like truly have it be like, I can't wait to bring this to God. Man, that was a, a bad day. I can't wait to bring this to God. Man, that was an awesome day. I can't wait to celebrate this with God. Like, and I just think there's so few Christians that truly truly think about their prayer life that way. Right. And I think we'd be amiss if we just present this as like an obedience type of thing. Like it's more, it's a privilege. It is. Well, and it's exciting. I mean, cause again, it's it, when, when you have a best friend and something happens in your life, it, you never think like, Oh, I guess I should probably tell them about this. Or like, ah, if I don't tell them about this, I'm going to get in trouble. Like, that's not ever how you view communication with someone that you have a great relationship with. It's always like by having someone to talk this through with, it, it makes everything better. The things I celebrate become even better. The things that, that I'm discouraged with, I can find the good in mm-hmm. it. It's it, that's you view it as like this is such a. Uh, 
just a natural response. This is what relationships are for is to talk through these things. Um, and I think if we can start viewing our relationship with God that way, it's going to change how, how we do it. Right. Well, we're right at 31 minutes. So I think that's a pretty good time. And I think we, I think we pretty well covered what we wanted to, um, Anything else you want to say as we close? No, not at all. I think I think it's uh, I think we've covered it really well, and uh, you know I'm, I'm, I try to be someone that once I feel like I've said what I need to say, I just let it go. Yeah. Um, so do you want to pray us sure. out? Okay. All right. Well, Lord, we just thank you that the sun's shining this morning. We thank you that uh, we're able to just get together and and talk about this and have some friends listen in. And we just pray that uh, these words will somehow be what what someone needed to hear and just be an encouragement uh, to those who hear it. In your name we pray. Amen.